Hey, thanks for joining us here on the House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about the house, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the house app. Come on, we're so glad you're here. My name is Devin and I get the um, awesome privilege to be on staff here at the house and be one of the pastors. And um, maybe you've come over the last like few weeks and you notice like man the pastor has not spoken in a couple of weeks because last week it was pastor katie and the week before that it was me but um i promise you he's going to be here next sunday he's going to be bringing the word we're excited to get pastor Stephen back but um this week they both were actually gone um just getting coaching and poured into by other pastors and i uh, mean i love that we have pastors who don't just say hey Y'all uh, follow us, but they're also willing to go and follow some people and allow people to speak into their life. Come on, don't you just love our pastors, Pastor Stephen and Katie? Could you join me in showing them some honor? I'll just let you know, like, push your lunch plans back a little bit next week because Pastor Stephen's going to be back for the first time in three weeks. So he's going to have a lot to say. It's going to be great. Well, um, we started a brand new series last week called Relationship relaunch. Come on, anybody was here for that? Anybody was here for the beginning of that? Pastor Katie did an awesome job talking about assumptions versus connection. And all throughout this series, we're just setting up like something versus connection. And she talked about how you can have assumptions or you can have connection, but you don't get to have both. And so if you miss that sermon, I would encourage you to go back on the podcast, listen to that. Because it challenged me this past week. I was like, in my head, I was like, okay, am I, gonna, am I assuming? Should I ask? What am I? And so it stepped on my toes. I know it'll do the same for you. So I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that. And today we're going to continue this series. But before we get into it, I know that we're talking about relationships and it, it can be like in the room, it can be a little bit like, ah, I don't know if I can clap for that part. I don't know if I can say amen because my husband or my wife or my friend is right beside me. And I just want to free you up, okay? So this is what I'm going to have you do. Look to the person to your left and just be like, oh, if everybody looks to the left, then you ain't looking at nobody. Just look to the person beside you <laughs> and say, I'm not going to nudge you. Come on, say it like you mean. I'm not going to nudge you. But I will, amen. <laughs> All right, look at the other person, the person you like better, obviously, the second choice, you know what I'm saying? Say, 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 I'm not going to nudge you. But I will, amen. Because here's the thing. We need, you, we need you to help us out, okay? It, because there are going to be some people in here who you feel like, man, my relationship is awesome. And that's great. This is just going to be like icing on the cake for you, and you are already crushing it, and we love that for you. But there are going to be some people in the room who are like, ouch, okay, <laughs> that I am not thriving in that area. And you never know when your amen or your agreement or your that's good is going to bring them back into So you're not always agreeing because it's something that you need. You're agreeing because you know that it's good and it's something that somebody else needs. So can y'all help me today? Okay, I like y'all already. Okay, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus was asked a question, not a question by someone who genuinely, like, wanted to know the answer, but have you ever been asked a question, and you know this person is trying to trap you in something? And so these, these leaders of the day were asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Not because they cared, but because they wanted to get him to say something that they could go and take and, and say, okay, he's, 
He's a heretic. He's not biblical. And so Jesus responds, and he responds in a way. It's not the answer they were necessarily looking for, but it still answered their question. And he says, you got to love God with everything that you have, and you have to love people like you love yourself. See, Jesus sums up the Ten Commandments in just two. Love God. That will be the first three commandments. And then love others will be the next seven. You have to do both. This is a beautiful description of how God desires for us to live. In order for you to thrive, you must be fully connected to God and connected to people. God designed us not to live life alone, but to be known. Like you were designed, you were meant to be known. Everyone needs people that they can engage and enjoy life with. You weren't created to do it by yourself. <laughs> and you don't just get to pick one or the other. Depending on your background and your upbringing and um, the, the past you have, it may be easy for you to love God. I mean, because he's merciful and faithful and gentle and kind and all the good things. But people, <laughs> sometimes people are not as graceful <laughs> or as forgiving or as kind. And it can be easy to say, you know what, God, I can love you with everything that I have. But the whole loving people like I love myself, I don't know about that. But you were meant to do life with people. I always like to do some sort of, some sort of poll whenever I'm preaching so I can just know who showed up to church today. So today I want to know, like, where are all my roller coaster people at? Like, you love a good roller coaster? Make some noise for me. Okay, y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. I just want to let you know you thought I was going to be on your side. I'm not. I'm not. Because in my mind, why are we pretending to die? Like, why would I go pay to scare myself? <laughs> and so this past summer, we had this idea to take our family to Universal. Okay, we wanted to go to Universal because we, uh, this past year, we adopted and then we also got pregnant. And so we have one son uh, named Malachi, who's the oldest now. And we were just like, you know what, this is going to be your like last hurrah as an only child. So let's just go ahead and live it up. Because from now on, we're going to be sharing bunk beds and car rides and all. So we just want you to have an amazing time. And, and he loves like all of the characters. So in my mind, I'm thinking, we're just going to go look at characters. He's not going to want to ride anything really that's, like, scary for me. Um, but we learned this life hack about vacation. And if you've never done this and you have small children, I mean, you need to do this, where you bring the babysitter with you. Like, you just go ahead. It's worth the, just cover the, it's, it's worth it to pay for it because then you can go out and have a date night with your wife and have fun, and then the kids can just stay back and do whatever they want to do, you know what I'm saying? But So we brought our babysitter. Our babysitter happens to be Pastor Stephen and Katie's daughter, Tia. And that is interesting because if you know Tia, she lives up here, <laughs> like, like on level 10. And that's great, but I personally just think life is better enjoyed like living down here on like level two. So we go to Universal, and it starts great because they have Spider-Man and the Minions and Gru and all these different characters that Malik, I was like, oh, I want to meet you, I want to meet you. And so it's great, but the whole time. I have Tia <laughs> behind me going, we need to ride that ride. We need to ride that ride. We need to ride that ride. And I start off strong. I'm like, absolutely not. I will not be dying today. I have a long life ahead of me. I will not be riding anything. But you know how it is. The, the sun kind of wears you down. <laughs> You've been there for a long time. And I don't know what took over me. But in a moment of weakness, there was this incredible Hulk ride. Okay. That don't even sound like something I want to do. <laughs> All throughout the day, I would hear 
you hear the Hulk roar, and then you just hear shoot off and people scream. And T was like, we need to ride that. And I'm like, we don't need to do anything. But, but finally, she wore me down, y'all. And in a moment of weakness, I said, you know what, Tia? If you will ride it by yourself one time, then the next time, I'll get on it with you. I'm thinking I'm being smart. <laughs> because in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, she ain't going to do it by herself. I mean, she's going to get scared. She ain't going to do it. She disappears. <laughs> she comes back a few minutes later. Her ponytail is like on the side of her head. Her hair is all messed up. She's like, I did it. It's time to ride it. And in that moment, I was like, if I was not your youth pastor, I would go back on my word because I do not want to do this. And so I went and I got on the ride and I immediately regretted my decision. It roared. It took off. It was like, I was like, "Ah, I didn't know if I wanted to keep my eyes open or if I wanted to watch death come towards me. Like I was just, "Ah." and as I was reliving this traumatic experience, I thought, this is what relationships could be like. Like, this is what it feels like to actually be connected with people. Like, you didn't really know fully what you were getting yourself into when you became friends with that person. You didn't really know everything you were getting into when you started working with those coworkers. When you got married, it was a beautiful day. You didn't know they were crazy. (laughs) And now... You're strapped in, like you're, <laughs> you're locked in, and it's full of ups, and it's full of downs, and it's full of fun moments, but it's also full of heavy moments, and it's like, yes, we know that your coworkers and your spouse and your children and the, and the church that you're in, like, they're all blessings from God, but if we're going to be completely honest, some of the people that are closest to you have the most ability to hurt you. Like, it's, it's easier to be wounded by somebody that's close to you, and it can start to feel like, man, I should have never signed up to get on this ride, and I wish there was an eject button, but, but, but there isn't. Like, we, we, and so we have this tendency. When you get hurt, what do you do? I can speak for me, and I think it would probably be true for most people in this room, is when I get hurt, I tend to pull back, and I tend to isolate. Like, it'll just be better for me to be by myself, because at least then, I don't have anybody forcing me to get on roller coaster rides. So today I want to talk to us about the subject of isolation versus connection. You can have isolation or you can have connection, but you can't have both. So I already know there's some people in the room and you have the the bright, bubbly personality and you're an extrovert and you're like, I'm never isolated. I'm always surrounded by people because I love people. Could I submit to you that you could be in a room full of people and still be isolated? Like, in this room right now, there's people who feel alone, like they don't have anybody they can turn to, that there's nobody that they can trust. Like, like, being isolated has nothing to do with how many people are around you. So this isn't just an introvert message, but if you're an introvert, come on, I feel you. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm going to take the longest nap possible right after this. Like, like I, I got you, but both personalities, all types of people will have to deal with, am I isolated or am I truly with people? So let's talk about isolation. To isolate means to cause to be or remain alone or apart from others. To remain alone, to remain apart. What, what, what does that feel like? Because we can Google definitions all day, but, but have you ever felt like there's just no one you can go to? 
Like maybe if it was a different issue, I could take this to somebody. But this thing, I can't go to anybody about that. I have to handle this by myself. We've all had the internal dialogue of like this issue. I don't know if I can tell somebody about. It would be better for me to handle it by myself. We think that isolation is no big deal, but, but social isolation and loneliness have been linked to increased risk for heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, depression, anxiety, addiction, suicide, self-harm, and earlier death. So, so actually, we think it's, it's no big deal, but isolation is severely affecting us. And the issue is this. When we are left to our own thoughts, to our own opinions, when there's no, no outside voices, we don't tend towards growth. You, you don't always think positive thoughts. <laughs> there, if we started playing everyone's thoughts on the screen, we would all be like, Ugh. We don't tend towards growth. We tend towards chaos and collapse. And this speaks towards, to our design because God already knew that we would need people in our life. There's a reason why everything that he created was good up until Adam being alone. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be by yourself. You need God and you need people in order to live the flourishing life you desire. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1 says this. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, when you isolate, you become increasingly selfish. Like you only chase after what you want. You're only led by your desires. And then it says he breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, you lose all your common sense. (laughs) Anybody's mom would stop you before you go into the store and be like, now when we get in this store, act like you got some sense. (laughs) Whenever you isolate and there's, there's no voice of God in your life, there's no voice of outside reason in your life. Like, there's nobody telling you, hey, 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 don't post that. <laughs> when there's nobody saying, I know that's how you feel, but can I tell you that's not true? When there's nobody saying, hey, you don't need to leave that job yet because you don't have, you, you don't have another one. <laughs> then you begin to chase after your own desires and you throw out wisdom and sound judgment, and so we need people to help us. And we all know people who have spent a little bit too much time <laughs> by themselves. <laughs> you got a friend that you're like, okay, you need, <laughs> you're saying all kind of stuff. <laughs> you, need some, you need a friend to go, hey, don't do that. Stop doing that. That's weird. The, the enemy's plan is this. He wants you apart from God and apart from his people. He wants you apart from God and apart from his people. The enemy wants you isolated from God so you never know your identity, so you never walk in your authority, so you don't know you're forgiven, so you don't know where you belong, and so you stay a victim. You, you never overcome your past. If the, the enemy knows, if I can keep you out of a relationship with God, if I can keep you from connecting with God, then my lies will hold more weight in your life. Because it's the Bible that tells us that it's the truth that sets us free. So, you know, it's like, listen, if you connect with God, then there's some cycles in your life that you're going to break. If you connect with God, there's some power that you're going to walk into, and that is dangerous to the enemy. And the world wants to offer us peace and fulfillment and joy through a bunch of different mediums. 
Say, hey, if you, if you just download this app, you'll be happy. <laughs> if you make this amount of money, you'll be happy. If you, if you will accomplish X, Y, Z, you'll get there. But Pastor Katie reminded us last week that unless we abide in Jesus, unless we remain in him, we can do nothing. You need to be connected to God. Now, I got to talk to my people who are in the room who are like, I'm good with God. <laughs> it's just everybody else. <laughs> That I do not like. Like, I love God. I just don't like (laughs) y'all. And can I just tell you that there is no way for you to love God and neglect his people. Jesus tells his disciples, they're going to know that you follow me. Not by how many Bible verses you can quote. Not by how often you attend your life group. not Not by how long you haven't said a cuss word. No, 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 no. Jesus says, They're going to know you're my disciples by how you love one another. So people at your job are going to know if you're a Christian or not based on how you love people. They're going to know whether or not you follow Jesus, not because you put it in your bio, not because you have Bible verses, not because you got the sticker on the back of your car, because of how you love people. There's no way to love God, to love his word, and to neglect the people that he asks you to love like yourself. And you know you love you some you. <laughs> you know you love you, and so your love for people has to grow because the enemy not only wants to isolate you from God, but he also wants to isolate you from people so that you never heal, so that you always feel like you're the only one struggling, so you don't gain wisdom from anyone, so you don't overcome, so your life feels empty, and so that he can devour your life. Because the trick of the enemy is this, that he'll be your friend. And that if you'll just, you know what I'm saying, take the bait that he gives you, nothing is going to happen. There's going to be no consequence. And he knows that if I can just get you alone, if I can get you away from people and the presence of God, then I can devour your life. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says it like this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's interesting, this verse doesn't say that he's looking for some group, some people, some family, some church. No, 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 someone. And so he, he's waiting <laughs> to get you isolate, isolated so that he can cover you with lies. And it's wild because even though we can read this verse, if we were to do some investigating, most of us have believed the exact opposite, that it's safer for us to be by ourselves, that it's too painful to do life with others. And we believe the lie that God is the one who wants to catch you, when in reality, God is the one who wants to cover you. But today, I just want to tell you, if you've been isolated, if you've been like, I've been far from God and I've been far from people, there is hope for you because God can redeem you and he can bring you back into relationship with him and back into relationship with the people that he's brought into your life. And the great news for you is I'm not somebody who has this worked out perfectly, okay, because I love some me time. I'm going to just be honest. <laughs> I love a good, like, just solitude, silence, all the lights off, just sitting in a room, okay? So, so I have had to overcome this in my own life and go, you know what? It, it would not be good for me to stay by myself for a long period of time. We're not talking about moments of solitude. Like, even Jesus had to pull off from doing ministry and pray and seek God's face. So I'm not talking about that. We're talking about long-term not letting people know you because you're afraid that if they know you, it's going to hurt you or them. We're, we're talking about not letting people love you because you don't want to 
open up and you live in the same house with them, but they really, they really don't even know how to love you. We're talking about not letting people challenge you because you're afraid that it's going to hurt and it's going to harm you. And so that is what we're talking about. So a great question that I've started to ask myself that you can ask yourself is, why am I isolating? Like, why am I pulling back? Why am I fighting to be alone? We've been talking in a general sense, but like for you, why do you isolate? Why do you connect more with strangers online than you do with people that live in the same house with you? Like, like why is it easier for you to pull up social media and connect through the phone, but it's hard for you to connect at the table with your family? Why do we storm out of the room when we lose the argument? Like, like why do we turn to whatever it is that we turn to that's not people or the presence of God to fulfill us? So why are we turning to a bottle or a website? Like, like why are we having to start over with new friends every six months, every seven months, because we don't know how to really lean in and have a conversation and grow through healthy conflict? Well, that's just how I am. I know. <laughs> I could ask your friends and gather that information. But it will be important for you to ask yourself, why? Like, why is that our tendency? And I bet if we did some investigation, we would find out that there's a past hurt, there's a past pain, or there's a preconceived notion that you have about people and about God. Because here's the truth about isolation. Isolation is not about what's going on around you. It's about what's going on inside of you. It, it's not about the population of the room. <laughs> it's not about the people that you see. <laughs> It's not about where you, if you're by yourself or if you're in a crowd. It's about the things that you have to work on that are inside of you. Alexis talked um, during the announcements about the Be The One conference, and we're super excited about that. Um, another thing that we do through Be The One is something called Elevate Weeks Now, but we used to call them the local trips, okay? And basically, these are just week-long local mission trips where we take and we train and we equip teenagers to go out and, like, do ministry. So the teenagers don't just come and hang out and watch us do it. No, no, no. They get the microphone and they share their testimony. And so I've been a part of those for the last 10 or 11 years. Ah, that makes me sound so old. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but, but I started off, like, this is where I started growing in my leadership. So just know, just know that, okay? This is where I started growing in my leadership. And one of my early jobs was to make sure all of the vehicles had gas, okay? All the vehicles had gas. And that, that's great, except for I am the type of person, and some people, some people somebody in here going to feel me on this, is that, like, I'm not going to get gas until I need to get gas, and I'm not going to need to get gas until I got, like, two miles left in the tank because there's a gas station right around the corner from my house. And, and plus, why would I – some of you men, you're, like, you're judging me because you're the type that if it gets halfway down, you fill it back up. But what if my car broke down? Now it's just – I just wasted that money on gas that I'm not even using because my car broke. So, so I'm being frugal, okay? Anyway, so that's a great mentality if you're just in charge of your own personal vehicle. But when you're the – the guy who's supposed to make sure all of the vehicles have gas, that could be a problem. <laughs> and so we were headed to an outreach one day, and one of the leaders calls me, and she's like, hey, Devin, I just want to let you know I'm getting very low on gas. And in my mind, I'm like, very low. She don't, she don't know what low is, okay? So, so I'm like, listen, we are running late. Just go ahead, and we're going to go to the outreach first. And people are going to get ministered to. It's going to get saved. It's going to be awesome. And then we'll get you some gas afterwards. So she's like, okay, cool, whatever. She hangs up. 
And a few minutes go by, and I'm just driving down the road. I'm just thinking about, man, God's about to move. And then my phone rings, and it's Pastor Stephen. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, what's up? Hey, how's it going? He's like, hey, man, did, um, did, this, did she call you? I said, yeah. She said she was running low on gas, but I told her, no big deal. We'll just get it afterwards. And he was like, you said what? He's <laughs> <was> like, so <laughs> you let a leader <laughs> full, with a car full of teenage girls run out of gas on the side of the road. And I was like, oh. In my mind, I'm thinking, I can see how that could be a problem. <laughs> and so I left. I had to go turn around, go get them a, a gallon of gas, pour it in there, take their van, fill it up. And I learned a very valuable lesson that day is that you got to have fuel. To get anywhere, you, you have to have fuel. So you're going to be fueling one thing or the other. Either you're going to be fueling isolation or you're going to be fueling connection. And so today I want to talk to us about three ways to fuel connection instead of isolation. The first thing you're going to have to fuel is you're going to have to fuel grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. God wants to cover you with his grace. And, and, and I need to let you know that there is, there is no way you step into connecting with God without his grace. And there will be moments in all of our lives for the rest of your days until you go to heaven that you have moments of weakness. There will be days where you feel weak. There will be weeks where you feel weak. There will be months that you feel weak. You may have an entire year where you feel weak. But your weakness doesn't discount you from being in God's presence. Because that's a lot of the enemy that tells you, well, when you get it together— then God will accept you. Oh, when you stop doing these three things, then you can get into God's presence. And I'm here to tell you that even on your best day, we are not good enough to come into God's presence by ourselves, and we need his grace. And us refusing to acknowledge that we're weak actually just doesn't make space in our life for Christ's power to begin to move. And I don't know if I have anybody in the room who would say, you know what, if it hadn't been for Jesus, if it hadn't been for the power of the blood changing and saving my life, there is no way I would be where I'm at right now. You don't have a big enough issue that God can't handle. I don't know how mighty you think your issues are, but none of them are big enough to disqualify you from God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, sin always separates us from God. Every time. All throughout Scripture, sin separates. Sin is the thing that caused Adam and Eve to have to leave the garden. Sin is the thing that caused Cain to be cursed and sent out. Sin, even in our soap God this past week, is the thing that caused Jacob to say, you know what, I tricked my brother Esau, I took his, like I took his blessing from our dad, and, and I, he, he left not because he just had a bad day or that he just wanted to travel and see the world. No, no, no. He left because sin was on him, and so Esau saw what he had done and said, you know what, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Okay, I'm going to kill you. So he, had, so he had to leave. Sin always separates, and that's why we need grace. Grace makes it possible for us to draw near. Colossians 3, verse 13, bearing with one another and... If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, this is the hard part. <laughs> we love grace for us. 
Because we know. We mess up. <laughs> God, thank you so much for having grace on my life. But then God does this thing where he actually expects everything that he gives to you for you to turn and give to other people. <laughs> so it doesn't just work from God to you. It also has to start working from you <laughs> to others. <laughs> and that's the part that I'm like, eh, we're going to be working on that <laughs> for a while. We love receiving grace, but it's hard for us to give it. But if grace doesn't flow in your relationships, there will be isolation. If there's no grace in a marriage, there's going to be isolation. If there's no grace in a friendship, there's going to be separation. If there's no, if there's no grace in parenting with your kids, oh, Lord, <laughs> there's going to be isolation. Because when there is no grace, we constantly have to restart. When there's no grace, we have to go all the way back to level one and go, listen, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to do anything, but I just got something to say. But, but when there's grace, we, don't have to st- we can start where we're at. Like, we're friends. We love each other. I know you didn't mean to forget me off the birthday invite, but you did, okay? <laughs> but it's all good. I forgive you. And now for the next 10 years, I'm not, like, waiting for the birthday invite, just hoping that you forgive me so I can pop off on you. Like, that, that, that. you're not going to have any healthy. Like, come on, we're not in high school anymore. We're not kids anymore. Like, our parents aren't picking our friends for us anymore. Like, if you want to have healthy connection with people, there's going to have to be some grace that you extend. And I get it. Maybe they don't have it all together, and maybe there's some inconsistencies and some immaturities, but I'm just asking you to extend some grace. Then for other people in the room, the hardest person to give grace for you is you. <laughs> like, you ruminate over your mistakes And you think about them over and over again. And it's been 10 years since you said that, but you still beat yourself up over it. Like, like, uh, it's been five years since you made that mistake, and you still haven't let it go. And can I just remind you that God has forgiven you, God loves you, and he, like, you need to hear this, he wants a relationship with you. So we got to have grace. we got to fuel grace. The second thing we have to fuel is we have to fuel humility. Not insecurity, not pride, humility. And when we say humility, we mean we're going to place God, ourselves, and other people in their rightful place in our hearts. So I'm not going to put other people first because that may make me feel inferior and insecure. I'm not going to put myself first because that's going to lead to me being prideful and puffed up. No, no, no. I'm going to put God in his rightful seat in my heart because that is when I can walk in true humility. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 through 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. We got to fuel the idea that other people are valuable. Like other people are valuable, even if they don't fix the issue that gets on your nerves, even if they never get it right, they have some value because God created them in his image. And he has a purpose and a plan for their life. So we got to value people. I know we're in a, like a get-it-done culture, and it's like we got a bottom line to do, and we got money to make, and we got, th- we got decisions to make. But even in your work, can we slow down and begin to value people? Like when's the last time we just told somebody, hey, just thank you, thank you for being here? Well, they ought to know that thing. They get a check. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You can keep that mentality. I just don't know if that's the type of person that is, like, going to have a lot, of, a lot of friends. 
We, we have to stay humble. Humble people are easier to be around. They're just, I mean, they're less expensive emotionally. Just say it that way. <laughs> Prideful people, it's like every time they talk, it's like they think they are God's gift to the world. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, you know, you know everything. It's cool. I don't even know why we're, why we're here right now. They'll, they'll reach out, hey, I want to go get coffee and talk through some things. I, re- I really love to get your advice. And you're like, yes, let's do it. Free coffee. And I get to give some advice. It's awesome. And then you get to the meeting, and it's just 45 minutes of them just talking. And it's just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess thanks for the coffee. You didn't really need any advice. You kind of already, you kind of have it together. Prideful people are hard to be around. Don't look at me with those judgmental looks. You, 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 you think that too. Uh, but also, it's not just people who put themselves way up here that are hard to be around, but also the people who think that they're like the scum of the earth and that nobody loves them. That, that, can, get, that can get expensive because every two minutes, it's like you got to tell them, no, I love you. No, 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 we're friends. No, yeah, yeah, we're still, yeah, we're still connected. No, you're great. You're awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, no, these are the three things that you do great. Like that can be like, that's cute with my two-year-old when they're learning to walk and go potty and they're learning how to count. It's like, yay, you can count to three. It's amazing. But we're 30. <laughs> it's, it's time for us to be able to do some things and to have some confidence and to go, you know what, maybe I'm not all the way up here and maybe I'm not all the way down here. I'm probably somewhere in between and God has created me and I'm on a growth, like I'm, I'm, I'm on a growth journey and there's some things that I bring and there's some things that I, that I don't bring. And I'm okay with that because I am humble. First Peter chapter 5 verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So it's not just humility with people we got to have some humility when we approach God. Because the, the basis of our entire relationship with God is this. God, I need you. God, God I, I need you. There's nothing that I can do by myself. Sure, you got a promotion. Sure, you accomplished some things in your life. Sure, you have a great life. But all of those things were things that God saw fit to give you or gift you with the ability to get. And so we approach God with humility. We've got to stop trying to exalt ourselves by trying to figure it out by ourselves. Come on, I, if I can just plan this and I can just put it together, and then if I take these stre- three steps, then my life will look perfect. And that is a form of pride in our life because we got to turn to God and say, you know what? God, humble me in your presence because I don't know how everything is going to play out, and I don't know the end from the beginning, but you do. So will you help me, lead me, and guide me? So after you feel grace and then you feel humility, the next thing is vulnerability. Now, now I want to set this up because when we hear vulnerability, I, I got to let you know <laughs> that being vulnerable is not for everybody. Meaning that I'm not asking you to be vulnerable with everybody. Like, please, after this service, don't come up to me and go, Pastor Devin, you said be vulnerable, so I got to tell you everything that I ever went through in my life right now. We don't know each other like that, so that might <laughs> that, But you should have some people that you know and you trust that you can be real with, that can get the real you. So no, I'm not asking you to go post all your business on Facebook, (laughs) but I am asking you to invite a close friend to coffee or to lunch or over to your house and go, you know what, there's some real things I've been battling with and I need to talk to somebody about it. We've got to be vulnerable. Even Jesus had an inner circle. He did not broadcast, hey, I'm getting ready to go to the garden. 
I got to go pray, and then I'm going to get ready to die. Anybody want to come? Like, it's an open invite. He, that's not what he did. He said, no, no, I'm going to bring these, this small, select group of people to see me in my lowest moment. So who gets to see you in your lowest moment? Like, like who gets to know, like, the real you when the weight of life is crushing you? Who do you invite to help you lift the bar? Or is it just you, you come to church and you go through life and you're like, I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong. I'm so good. And when we do the prayer line, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Prayer are for, prayer is for those people. I don't need prayer. I just pray by myself. I just pray. Is, is that how we're going to show up in every relationship that we have? Or are there going to be some people that you can go, you know what? I'm not going to tell this to everybody, but there are some people that I can trust, that I've had time with that I know are not going to go and blast my business out, but that I can be vulnerable and I can be real with. We're going to refuse to hide. We're going to live a life that's open and honest because we know God is not looking to catch us. He's looking to cover us. And the right people in your life are also not looking to catch you. They're looking to cover you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our, our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Openness with God is essential. And it can feel like, well, why I need to tell him for? He sees everything. <laughs> you saw me mess up. You saw me sin. You saw me fall. But God wants us to come out and say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. This is the Garden of Eden. God could have just been like, Adam and Eve, come on out. I already know you sinned. I got some skins for y'all to put on. But he doesn't do that. He asks, where are you? Because he's inviting Adam to come out and to be open and to be vulnerable with him because it's in those moments that God can begin to heal things in your life. And there's no, like Romans 8 teaches us there's nothing that separates us from God's love. So you can be vulnerable with him with everything. You don't have to approach him with spiritual language. You don't have to have the right things. You don't have to talk. You don't have to pray in King's James, King James. Okay, if you do that, that's fine. But, but you can just go, God, this is where I'm at. This is where my disappointment is at. I thought my life was going to be here, and it's here. I'm frustrated right now about this. And God is a big enough God that he can handle all of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. I love that language that Paul uses, widen your heart. That's what being vulnerable feels like. It's opening up your heart to people and to God to, to know, to love, and to challenge you. But, but, but the people in your life can't, can't speak into, to you. They can't help you. God can't help you unless you let them know what's happening. <laughs> unless you go, hey, hey this, this is what I'm dealing with. There's no way for people to read your mind. So we're going to live with open hearts. So, so what do we do? Like, okay, if you're somebody who's been isolated, hearing all of this could be like, wow, <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> I'm used to not talking to anybody, and you're asking me to, like, have grace <laughs> and to be vulnerable. You're asking me to be humble. Like, where do I even start? For some of us, it's this simple. You need to invite somebody to coffee this week. Stop waiting for them to invite you. 
Stop hoping that somebody texts you or DMs you and just, just reach out to them and say, hey, I don't know what you got going on this week. Here's a couple of spots that I have free. I would love to go get coffee and talk. Like that may be your first step. For others, it's asking yourself, in what relationships have I been hiding? Like, like have I been hiding in my marriage? Have I been hiding in my parenting? Have I been hiding at work? Have I been hiding in my youth group? Have I been hiding in my friendships? For other people, it's, what do I need to extend some grace? Like, you've just been too quick with the hammer. You've just been like, bow. <laughs> as soon as somebody messes up, you're like, I got you. Maybe there needs to be some grace. Maybe there needs to be love and truth. Because I could remind you that in every moment, in every day, God could find something to bring the hammer about in your life. But he doesn't do that. He gives you grace, and he gives you time, and he gives you space to grow. And so I wonder if we would be more connected if in our relationships we started to ask, who do I need to extend some grace to? Where have I undervalued others and their impact on my life? Like, do I, do I need to be more humble? Are there some people in my life that I just, oh, that's just them. Oh, that's just my small group leader. Oh, that's just my brother-in-law. Oh, that's just my neighbor. Oh, that's, that's just the people I go to church with. But, but you're missing out on the fact that these are the people that God has brought to you so that you can build a connection with. And here's why we are adamant about talking about this. It's because if you get it right, it'll change everything in your life. If you allow people in, if you allow God in, then you will love life. You'll, you'll step into all that God has for you. You'll thrive in every aspect. It doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's going, it's going to be pain-free. In fact, I would love nothing more than to tell you, if you stop isolating, then nobody's ever going to hurt you. But I actually have to tell you the opposite, <laughs> that as, as soon as you stop isolating, you're inviting people in to hurt you. But over time, God can use that pain to begin to heal and to grow some things in your life that he cannot do if you're by yourself. But if you get it wrong, then you continue to isolate. And this will be the picture you see. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8 paints this picture for us. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Nobody wants to get to the end of all of their work and all of their effort, and all of their accomplishment, just to realize that they don't have anybody in their life, that they're not connected to God, and they're not connected to people, and we don't want this for your life. We don't want you to think that you're alone. We don't want you to think that there's nobody in your circle. We don't want you to think that there's nobody you can turn to. He says this is meaningless, uh, uh, like, like a miserable business. None of us would sign up for this, but what we don't know is inadvertently, Spending two hours a day on our phone instead of connecting with our kids, that's, that's what we're signing up for. Just going through the motions and kind of being around people but never letting anybody know you, that, that's what you're signing up for. So what good would it do you to make all the money you could imagine, to accomplish all the dreams that are in your heart, but then there'll be nobody that really knows you, that really connects with you? Isn't this what happens to Judas when he betrays Jesus? He, he's been with, it's not that he hasn't been around Jesus. He's been around him. But he never did the work to go, there's something different. There's something more for me. And so he 
He sells Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and then you would think, man, I got my money, dog. But right, like, almost immediately afterwards, he's like, what, what have I done? And he tries to take the money back, and they won't even take it. So he just throws it into the temple, and he goes out into the field, and he ends his life. And you know what's, what's at the end of isolation for us? Heartache, pain. If we don't overcome isolation, the war going on inside of us becomes too much and ultimately is the thing that takes us out. The enemy wants you to think that you like, there's going to be some time in the future that you'll just get it. You'll just connect with people. It'll just come naturally to you. You'll just make new friends. It'll be great. But I'm here to tell you that that is not true. Like you're going to have to do the work inside of you so that the people around you can get to know you and love you and be a part of your life. And so that God can come in and actually make a difference in your life. I'm not speaking to you from someone who just read about isolation, but I grew up in a house with eight kids and you would think if anybody is not isolated, it would be me. But because I had so many siblings, I learned pretty quickly that like, if I don't say something, somebody else will talk for me. (laughs) If I don't fight, I got four other brothers. They'll fight for me. (laughs) And even in the moments where I did speak up and I did say something, and I don't think this was anybody's heart or intention in my home, but it just felt like, shh, we don't really need to hear from you right now. So I started to isolate. And then I thought, Man, when I get to high school, I'm going to play soccer. I'm going to jump on a team. I'm gonna be th- like, that's going to be my identity. I'm going to get a crew. of women. I'm going to parents. It's going to be amazing. And then I found myself on a team full of other kids who I'm sure wanted to connect, but isolated. Then I thought, man, that wasn't it. Maybe if when I go to college, I'm going to make some friends. And I got saved my senior year, so I was like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to really know. I'm gonna, this life-giving community It's going to be great. Surrounded by people who I'm sure wanted to know me but isolated. I'm going to move to Arkansas. And then when I get to Arkansas, it's going to be like a new start. Nobody's going to know me. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to make friends. And sure, I made friends, but isolated. Then I thought, man, when I get married, because I'm going to have a built-in roommate. I mean, I'm not going to have a choice. And I found out pretty soon that it's, it's not the people that I have or don't have in my life. It's my own decision to recognize that God and people want to connect with me. And there's some things inside of me that I have to remove. There's some insecurities. There's some hurts. There's some past pains. There's some regrets. There's some failed relationships that I had to just unearth in my heart to go, you know what? God is for me. He does want a relationship with me. People people do love me. They do want to be around me. And, and I wish I was just like, yeah, I'm good now. But literally, we just, uh, a few months ago, we're in the NICU with our son that we adopted, Judah. And he was just, it wasn't a big deal. He was just born a little early, and so they had to keep him for a while. And uh, I remember being, it was a day where I went up by myself, and I was sitting in um, the hospital with him. And Sydney was at home doing with the kids. And for a moment, I felt, am I alone? Like, am I, am I by myself? And then I started to think, actually, no. <laughs> God is with me. I have a supporting cast of people around me who have all not only said we are excited for y'all, but a lot of people gave financially to make sure that we could adopt him. Like, I am surrounded by people who love me and are for me. And you'll have to practice fighting off the lies of the enemy with the truth. There's a story that we read 
and then I'll be done in, in the soap God this past week too in Matthew chapter 26. And it's where this lady pours out the perfume onto Jesus' feet and the disciples get mad and he's like, no, 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 this lady is preparing me for burial. And so that's a, that's a beautiful story. But the part I want to point out is at the beginning it says that they were at Simon the leper's house. And so this man had been a leper at some point in his life. And if you don't know anything about leprosy, like if you got that, you were kicked out of the town, you were kicked out of the city. And so we can assume that Jesus at some point in his life healed this man. But how do you go from somebody who used to be sick, who used to be an outcast, who used to be isolated, who had no choice but to not have any community to the type of person who would be willing to host Jesus, who would be willing to host people. And now you have moments happening in your home. And so I get it. Maybe you feel isolated right now, but that's not where God wants to leave you. God wants to use you, and he wants to make a difference in your life, and he offers the same relationship to every person. So as we're ending today, we're going to do two different things. The first is I want to invite you into a connection with God. Maybe you're here today, and for the first time you realize, man, there's, there's a disconnect like, I'm separated. This God that you're talking about, I don't know about his love and his mercy and his grace. And I, and I want to know about that. And I just want to invite you. God has made that available for every person in the room. There's nothing special that you have to do. There's no hoops that you have to jump through. You literally have to say, you know what? I know that there's sin in my life that is separated from me, for me from you. And I'm asking that your grace would cover me and that you would come in and be the Lord of my life. Maybe you used to be connected with God, but it's been a long time since you've been vulnerable and open with him and you want to step back into a relationship with him today. If any of, either of those people or you, just real quick, just raise your hand, just wave at me. I want to know who we're praying for. So we're going to pray this all, we're going to pray this all together. You guys repeat after me. Lord, come on, if we all going to do it, let's all do it. Lord, forgive us for the sin in our life that has separated us from you. Thank you for providing a way for us to reconnect. Today, we repent of our sin and we turn to a relationship with you. Jesus, come be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we offer God some praise? Stand up on your feet with us. So we're going to worship, but I do feel like we're not done yet. I do feel like there are some people who maybe you felt alone. You feel like I'm all by myself. Maybe it's not that you feel disconnected from God, but it's that you feel like there's nobody in your corner. There's nobody to help you carry the weight. And here's what I want you to do during this, this song is to begin to lay that down at God's feet. And I believe that he's going to restore to you and remind you that there are people in your corner. There are people that love you. That there's a room full of people right now who want to see God's best for your life. So y'all, come on, let's worship together. We sing it out. He has, he has good plans. He has good plans for me. So I will take heart in deserts and gardens.
give God praise. Listen, if you felt alone, here's what I need you to do. We have a team of people, our Connect team, that's going to be by the blue banners out in the lobby. Don't leave today feeling like you don't have anybody, that you haven't been able to connect or meet anybody, because we want to see you get plugged into the church, get into a life-giving community, get to where people can know you and love you and challenge you. And so I'm going to pray over us. We're going to go back into a little worship and then Stephen will dismiss us. God, we thank you that we are not alone. We're not by our side. We're not um, by ourselves. God, that there's people who want to bear the burden with us. That we don't have to carry it all. We don't have to do it all. We don't have to manage it all. God, but that you send people. And right now I pray that you will start to put people on our hearts that we need to get with, that we need to connect with, that we need to restore relationship with. And ultimately we decide today, we're not going to let what's going on inside of us keep us from building connections with the people around us. So God, we love you and we honor you. We thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the house podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about the house, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the house app. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the contact us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.